Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And this is podcast episode number 99. And today, the big 99. The big 99. And today, we are joined by the lovely Bruno Rodriguez from London. Hello, 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 guys. Hello, guys. <laughs> Thank you for the wonderful, generous introduction, Joanne. Yes, Bruno, my friend. How are you, Bruno? I'm good. I'm good. And uh, for the benefit of your listeners, we had a good uh, chin wag just before we started recording, which was, <laughs> we which was did. nice. We, we did have a chin to wag. Each other for, yeah, we haven't spoken to each other for probably the best part of a year. So it's lovely to catch up and lovely talk, talk about old times. Yes, because Bruno is, is the busiest man in London. He's always... <laughs> busy. <laughs> yes, he is. Okay, so welcome, Bruno, to the podcast. And Thank you. Bruno, a little bit about Bruno. So Bruno is yes. a solicitor and a director at the law firm Cassidy's Solicitors, which is based yes. in the city. Bruno has extensive yes. experience in providing legal advice and representation to the startup community, having yes. previously been the exclusive legal counsel to the entire membership of the London Enterprise Network. I think that's how I met you, Bruno. That is exactly where we first met. That's yeah. correct. That and that was, yeah. well, that was like, what, in 2000? When did I meet you? That would have been 2013, because that's oh when I started my, my association with the London Entrepreneurs Network. Look at that. Yeah. Five yeah. years of knowing Five whole years, yeah. Five whole years. Yeah. Lovely Entrepreneurs Network that Bruno used to give yeah. all the talks to. And yeah. now a mentor at Level 39. Look at you. Level 39, which one of London's, is one of London's leading startup incubators. From his deep understanding of the community, Bruno has developed an approach that is accessible, flexible, hands-on, and client-focused. So Bruno's main practice areas yep. are technology, technology law, and fashion law. Yes, so my main practice areas are corp- corporate and commercial work. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And his clients include global AI developers, blockchain companies, technology companies of all kinds, and global fashion brands. He has extensive experience in the legal issues companies may face, such as IIP, intellectual property, contracts, employment law issues. And Bruno also has 10 years worth of experience in advising clients on business immigration and immigration for EU nationals. Bruno's legal practice is heavily focused on startup and SMEs because he has a passion for seeing young businesses grow, confirmed through his first-hand experience of starting up a successful law firm. You indeed have, Bruno. You and your partner, Mr. Thank Cassidy. you, everyone. Yes. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Thank I have you. seen it blossom over the years. It, it's quite Aha, well, thank you. It's and the changes, <laughs> yeah, and the changes you guys have gone through. And Bruno yeah. has three yes people he has three university degrees because he just likes <laughs> just collects them and <laughs> outside of work outside of work his interests include running and reading bruno it is a pleasure welcome thank you and thank you for the wonderful welcome and for the invitation too and i'm looking forward to doing this podcast yeah and this podcast is geared towards um early stage women entrepreneurs in developing economies and it may be worth noting sure. that bruno is from a developing economy which which country uh-huh. bruno, are you from originally from brazil originally from brazil from and Brazilia. uh my family moved to mm-hmm. yes yes and my family moved to uk when i was three years old 
Um, I was uh, raised in the Brazilian way, even though we lived in the UK, so I can speak Portuguese. I go back to the country on a regular basis, pretty much every two years, and it's a wonderful country to go back to and visit. Yeah. Um, beautiful, warm people, very friendly. Uh, lots of change going on like, in Brazil. Exact opposite of Britain, you know. Britain's the exact opposite Eastern, of Britain, exactly. And, you know, stiff up the lip, exactly. and then you go to Brazil, and people are like, hey! <laughs> remember when i first met you i thought you were portuguese because i looked at your surname yes i'm like no, yes. yeah okay yes. i was like he's portuguese and yes. you're like no i'm not i'm brazilian i was like oh <laughs> well i can't yeah I, I, i'll take your word for it i can't remember being so um <laughs> so no, categorical you, and forceful in the no, denial of being portuguese you, yes you but, were yeah. you were like no i'm brazilian <laughs> no, I like, please okay. <laughs> i was like okay Sorry. Okay, so Bruno, we yeah. are going to discuss yeah. understanding yeah. business structures. Okay. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Mr. Rodriguez, what do yeah. we need to know about business structures? Because I think this is, like you did say when we talked about it, this is one of yeah. those gray areas for a lot of people. Yeah. I think anything yeah. legal is a gray area. Sure, us, sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's a, it's a very key issue for your listeners. Yes. Um, because if your listeners are in the early stages of startup and of being an entrepreneur, um, there is no more fundamental question really than how do you incorporate your business or indeed what sort of business structure or model you use. Mm. So there are many different types of business structures okay and obviously they change from country to country i'm qualified in the united kingdom so that's really what my expertise in these business structures are however not to uh, you know put off your, your listeners who don't necessarily have an interest in the uk the business structures i'm talking about are very much almost identical in other English-speaking countries like the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and even further afield, um, the business structures I'll be going into in this podcast are, you know, very similar to what you'd find in many other different countries and as well. Former, any former British colony would, would, would be... Using... Precisely, exactly, exactly, mm. exactly. Any former British colony would pretty much use these structures more or less exactly modelled on, on how they are currently um, in the UK. And, and even in countries that um, are not modeled on the English legal system, like even Germany, they, they have the principles I'll be going into. So um, the veil of incorporation, shareholders, directors, uh, sole traders, and how that differs. So, um, yeah, obviously what I'll, be, what I'll be saying today, what I'm trying to kind of emphasize is what, I'll be, what I'm saying today is, is general. It applies to a lot of jurisdictions, but mm -hmm. obviously what country you're in will have its own little quirks, will have its own little details, which are a little bit different and which, you know, I might not necessarily be able to address in this mm -hmm. podcast, but certainly the general conceptual framework that I'll give today will certainly be applicable for many countries out there. Fantastic. You speak, you're such a, you're such a solicitor. My God. <laughs> Thank you. Except Thank when you. you laugh. Except when you laugh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and for the benefit of your, your listeners, a solicitor is what the Americans would call an attorney. Um, it's, I don't think it's, it's a title that, that uh, many other countries apart from the UK use. When, so when if I sound I like a lawyer... 
They Please say lawyer. I think the universe. I know in Brit, in Britain, it's solicitor. In the rest of yes. the world, it's just lawyer. In America, just it's lawyer. an attorney. Yes. 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 Yeah, yes. because yes. in the UK, you're a barrister when you actually go into court, which That's is correct. what they call an attorney. In That's the correct. in the in the US, you're just an you're you're a lawyer, and then if you go you're yes. or an attorney, it's a little bit different. Yes. But um, yes. but yeah, you you are, and when you when you email him and he responds to your email, he's very short and to the point. <laughs> you know what Joanne that's actually what they teach you in law school they, they teach you to um just just literally go right into it very um, you dry have, you have, if very someone dry. doesn't know you they'd be like oh yeah. my god he's so rude almost <laughs> no like you're just very matter of fact in your emails yes. this is it and I get that because I used to work in construction and consulting and it's the yeah. same way you know no one yeah. likes flowery yeah. I'm a creative and you know, yeah. I remember when I started out in construction, my and I would send emails, and my my line manager would be like, "Joanne, this is not a novel, okay? Just cut to the chase. <laughs> like seriously, what is all of this? How are you? Hope you're well. Da -da -da, da -da 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 -da. Your weekend, and you're like, Nah, mate. Yo, this is what we did. This is what we're gonna do. Bye. <laughs> and you're, very short. you're not terse. Your emails aren't terse, but they're very short and they're very to the point. And you know, with time, yeah. you come to realize that when you hire a solicitor or you, you know, you go to see a doctor or you've got a banker, there's something about that steady strength and that seriousness that makes you feel comfortable and assured. So I completely get that. I think um, you need that kind of you need that reservation. It works. It makes you feel like, yes, he knows what he's doing. He's got it under control. <laughs> now, if that's just if, if that's just a facade, well, fine. Yes. But there's something about that. <laughs> there's something about that that works. So let's jump right in. So tell well, us about what what do startups and individuals starting businesses yeah. need to know about yeah. business structures? Perfect. So the uh, most common. Uh, business structure that uh, you find is what's called an incorporated company, also known as a limited company. Mm -hmm. The title will change from country to country. Mm -hmm. um, and the basics of a limited company are that the shareholders are protected from the company's uh, liability. So mm -hmm. I'll explain what I mean by that. So if you have a limited company and you are a shareholder in that limited company and the company racks up a lot of debt or uh, breaches some other law or regulation, the people that the company owes money to or wants to pursue the company for cannot go after the shareholders individually. They can only go after the company and that is because a limited company has a separate legal personality to the people who own it and the law actually uses that phrase legal personality mm. so a limited company is is in essence a legal entity a legal person and the law will consider it as such okay yes. now that has a wonderful benefit because obviously if one of your listeners goes into business Mm -hmm. and say uh, develops a lot of debt, the company's creditor, i.e. the person who the company owes money to, mm -hmm. cannot go after the listener as an individual, meaning that the listener cannot be made bankrupt because of the company's faults. 
the listener won't lose their personal assets such as a house or their car or whatever have you uh, because the company has racked up a lot of debt. Now that's obviously very, very, very useful uh, because it just gives you peace of mind. You know, if, if, you're, if you're running the company as a limited company, you know that uh, whatever happens, you as a person, your personal finances won't necessarily be damaged um, if things go wrong. Okay. Yeah. I'm familiar with now, that because Rare yes. is a limited corporation. Yes. My company is a brilliant corporation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Brilliant, brilliant. Great. Limited liabilities all the way. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, how do you get a limited or private company? You basically need to apply to incorporate your company. I'll use the UK example. So you would make an application to Companies House. Mm -hmm. Companies House is the UK government agency mm -hmm. uh, which regulates this sort of area. And it's actually nice and simple. It's all online. You can do the application within 20, 30 minutes. It just asks you basic questions such as the name of the company, name of the shareholders, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, a small fee, £12. And then you submit it online. And 24 hours later, you, you get your incorporation. You need your tax ID or your tax number or anything like that? Uh, you do need your tax ID up, up until about what? Up until about a year ago, perhaps. Mm. Um, once you incorporated, you had to register with the Revenue HMRC, um, which is a revenue collection agency in the UK, IRS in the States, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, in the olden days, after incorporating your company, you had to specifically register for incorporation tax. But these days now, when you incorporate a company, the revenue is automatically informed uh, that we've incorporated a new company and then they will start sending you letters about how to um, get yourself registered up for corporation tax and, and, and for everything else. If you're like me and you make the mistake of signing up, you get emails from HMRC like every day, literally. Every oh, yes, you do. You do. You do. You oh, do. my yeah. God. Don't forget do. to do this. Don't forget to do that. We <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I know you're real right. They, they do way too much of that. So it kind of um, doesn't really serve its purpose, doesn't it? Because by the time you receive the third email of the week uh, from HMRC, you think, okay, I'm just going to ignore them. <laughs> pretty much. And then lo and behold, one does come along that gives you some vital information. And you, you know, because you receive so many over the course of time, you just kind of ignore, then you find yourself in a bit of hot bother. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so that's how you incorporate a limited company. Um, obviously, like I said, like I said before, there'd be different procedures for different countries. But the general principle is, for a limited or a private company, you would need to register it with the appropriate uh, authority within that country. Mm -hmm. um, they will then confirm that you have a, a, a an incorporated business, and as soon as you have an incorporated business, you're basically good to go. You can start trading. You can start charging for your services, selling your goods. Open Yay. up a bank account so you can receive your money and you can make your payments out. Um, there also doesn't matter what jurisdiction you're in. Uh, a limited company split uh, in terms of the people managing it into two different classes of people. So you have shareholders who own the company. So say, for example, a company has two shareholders and they own the company 50%, 50%. Right. That means that they're entitled to 50% of the profits of the company on an annual basis. And it also means that they own the company 50%, right? There can be other examples. There's, there's no limitation to the number of shareholders a company can have. Um, but it needs at least one, obviously. So they're the shareholders. They basically own the company 
and they're entitled to the profits of the company depending on a specific shareholding. Okay, then you have the directors of the company with the second class of person uh, dealing with the management of the company. And they are basically, you can think of it as the managers of the company. So usually there would be a board, you know, a, a company board, and they would meet once a month, once every two months, whatever have you. And then they would decide uh, management issues around the company, the basic day to day running of the company. Okay, so the shareholders own it and the directors manage the company, okay? Now, obviously, a shareholder can be a director, and a director can be a shareholder, vice versa. There's nothing precluding that whatsoever. And usually, you would find in small companies and startup companies that definitely there is a crossover between the shareholders and the directors, okay? Mm, yes. Um, so the... Direct. If you're just a director, you don't actually own the company. You're a manager in the company. Mm -hmm. um, and directors, they have uh, certain resp legal responsibilities over the company. So they have to always act um, in the best interests of the company. Mm -hmm. They have to always make decisions in relation to the company that comply with the law. Mm -hmm. So if you're a director and your company breaks the law, um, then you could be personally liable as a director for taking a decision that involved the company breaking the law. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, that means saying that may confuse you in, in the, in relation to the issue of um, limited liability that I spoke about five, 10 minutes ago about the shareholders not being directly responsible uh, for the company if something goes wrong. Um, this would be the exception to that. If the company took a decision that involved it breaking the law or whatever have you, then in those situations, the law could um, hold a director responsible. Okay. So I just say that just for people to be aware that, um, you know, there are, implications, certain obligations uh, to people being a director in the company. Um, but that's as you would imagine it, I suppose, in, you know, in, 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 in the modern world, um, just as, you know, if you as an individual break the speeding limit or whatever have you, you would expect the police to do something against you. It's the same in the corporate world. If a company breaks the law, then obviously, you know, you can expect to receive some sort of punishment or process or whatever have you. Right. Um, so, yes, that's the basics in relation to a private or a limited company. Okay. Now, the main contradiction, not contradiction, the main comparison um, with that and the other main uh, business vehicle, business model, business structure that a mm -hmm. startup could um, use is a concept of a sole trader. Mm. Now, a sole trader is just one individual who has decided to go into business. And uh, I'll give you an example. So if for Oh, well, I'll, I'll use the example of law because that's obviously what I am and that's what's come to my mind, first of all. So a sole trader law practice would be a law practice that simply has one lawyer working mm. for it, okay? And they've decided not to incorporate it, decided not to register it, and that's fine. The law allows you to do that. Uh, but then that one individual will just be in business for him or herself and... 
Um, and it's as simple as that, really. So that person can just start trading, start selling their stuff, start selling their services, start making money. Um, and no real like registration. A web, a web designer, an accountant, a tax Precisely. Person, people who Precisely. are offering services. Yeah. Uh, offering services, absolutely. Could be anything offering services and also selling goods. Yeah. So just in, in relation to, to the UK, um, historically, sole traders have been just, just, just somebody who's just gone into business. Could be anything as a market trader, mm-hmm. um, as a plumber. A food um, vendor. Exactly. A, a vendor. Just anybody who's just gone into business for themselves. A contractor. Exact Contractor. Absolutely. Contractor. That's another very, very common example you see. Mm. And... Um, so yes, yeah, so, so that's what it simply is. There's no registration involved, no confirmation required from the government. You're just one person doing a business and you just go ahead your business doing that thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the main difference between that and an incorporated business is the sole trader does not have the protection of limited liability. Right. So if, if your sole trader racks up a lot of debt, then the people that they owe money to can come after them personally, which Mm. means that they could find themselves in bankruptcy proceedings. They could find themselves losing the house that they live in uh, because they've had to sell it to deal with with, with their business's debts. Um, That is the main difference there, okay? So you don't have the protection you would have um, as a limited company. So that begs the question, why would anyone be a sole trader if you don't have that fundamental protection? Mm. And the answer is, it's just a way lot easier to be a sole trader because you don't have to register. Okay. Mm. And when you have a limited company or private company, there are certain things you have to do on a regular basis. So you have to file annual accounts. Mm. You have to file, uh, copies of the key decisions that the business makes with company's house or whatever the company's reg- or country's regulator would be. Um, so there's, there can be a lot of red tape. There can be a lot of bureaucracy. And if you're just one person doing it on your own, you might not necessarily think that all that red tape and bureaucracy is particularly attractive to you. You just want to get on with it without the headache of all this extra work and time consuming form filling and all that sort of stuff. So you just go out and be a sole trader where you have literally none of that apart from obviously as a sole trader on an annual basis, you have to file tax returns to your tax authority saying this tax year I earned X amount of money. And then, you know, they would calculate how much tax you owe them. And then you'd have to pay that. So if you're a sole trader, that's pretty much the only formality that you'd have to do on an annual basis. You have to file tax returns as an individual. I guess the, the whole idea of being a sole trader, I guess is, you know, you, you're a small business owner, if you want to call it that. And you just, yeah. You, you're not interested in, in necessarily scaling and growing a big business. You're just offering yeah. a simple service and yeah. that's it. Whereas a limited company, it's a real company. It could scale. Yeah. It, it could be a multi-billion dollar firm or precisely. whatnot. And that's why you need, 
the legal protection. Whereas a sole trader exactly. is just someone who's offering us, it's a small, like a business owner, a small business owner who's just offering yep, a service exactly. and they don't, they don't want the headache and they may not necessarily be even working full time. It could be someone. Yeah, absolutely. Precisely. Very good point, it John. Could be a it could be side side doing on the uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. A, a quote unquote uh-huh. side hustle. You got a full time job, but you yeah. do this on the weekends. It could be yeah. additional stream of income. There's various yeah. reasons why someone will want to be a sole trader. Well, listen to me. Bruno, I'm taking there over. There you go. Now you, you, you know this stuff already. There, that's perfect. That's excellent. Yes. I'm just, no, I, I really don't know anything. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> you do, you do, you really do. <laughs> no, but seriously, those are some of the things that you could um you could think about as to why you would want to be a sole trader versus um starting a limited company. Yeah. Yes, precisely. Precisely. Now, the third uh, main form of business structure is something called a partnership. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, very similar to a sole trader. So mm-hmm. in a partnership, you have two or more people coming together um, to run a business that's not incorporated. So mm-hmm. a partnership is basically two or more sole traders mm-hmm. coming together Mm-hmm. to run a business and it's pretty much run like a sole trader is although there are more it's, it involves more than one person mm-hmm. okay so a partnership does not benefit from limited liability so just like a sole tradership if the partnership accrues a lot of debts the individual partners uh can be taken to court and could lose all their assets to pay off the debt etc 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 um if you're in a partnership uh, each individual has to file uh, tax returns, individual tax returns on an annual basis in relation to the money they earned from the partnership activity. Mm-hmm. And just like a sole tradership, those annual tax returns is pretty much the only formality you have to do in order to have a partnership. Now, a key thing about partnerships is it's often a good idea to have a partnership agreement uh, between the partners, okay? You don't have to, it's not a legal obligation, but Mm. for the purposes of clarity and Mm. for the purposes of everybody understanding what's going on, it's a good idea that the partners just sit down, uh, agree a contract, write that contract down, sign it. And the key issues uh, that you'd often find in a partnership agreement is profit share, money, money share. How will the money be managed? How will it be shared out between the partners? Mm. Um, you know, obviously you, you need that agreed beforehand or ideally you need that agreed beforehand because what if one partner thinks it's 50, 50 and the other partner thinks it's 70, 30 and nothing's agreed, nothing's written down. You obviously know what's going to happen, uh, down the road. They're going to be massive disagreements. Mm. Um, so, Partnerships, just like sole traderships, can be very beneficial because there's no real red tape bureaucracy involved. You just get your head down, just crack on with the business. You've got no real uh, worries in relation with compliance with the government. Um, But the drawback, just like sole traders, is you're personally liable for the the businesses and for the debts. so that's a key thing to remember really and you know in talking about these business structures i cannot overemphasize really how the key differentiate differentiating point is the fact of this limited liability concept mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. interesting okay and then the final one is the 
Okay, so then you have what's called a limited liability partnership, mm. which is a halfway house between an unincorporated partnership and a limited company. Mm. So they're called LLPs. They exist in the UK. I know for fact they exist in the States and Canada and Australia and whatever mm. have you. And um, it's basically, for, for an LLP, you need more than one person. So a, a, a sole trader, at least in the UK, cannot do it. Maybe a sole trader in other jurisdictions can do it. But you need a partnership. Mm. Um, and uh, they have to register the LLP with the government. Okay, mm. so there is an element of incorporation, but it's not full incorporation. Um, it's not red tape and bureaucracy to the extent that you have that you see in limited companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is some registration, there is some incorporation, and there is some um, filings to do at companies' house. And actually, it's just occurred to me that I haven't actually gone over this um, yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but another reason why people do not want to incorporate a limited company is that your accounts as a limited company are public knowledge. So anybody can Mm. have a look at the accounts of any limited company. All you have to do is just go to that country's uh, corporation regulator, type in the company's name, and you'll basically have full access to their accounts. Okay. Mm. Now, many companies don't want that information out there in a public realm. Um, because you don't want your competitors to know how much money you do or you don't have. You don't want mm. your suppliers to know how much money you do or you don't have. And it's, you know, it can be a bit of a privacy issue as well. Um, so LLPs, uh, the fourth option, it's a halfway house. Um, you do have to have public accounts in an LLP. Uh, limited liability partnership but they're not as um, transparent shall we say as for a limited company Uh, the accounts for an LLP you often see are only a page or two long whereas for a private limited company um, you know they can be 8, 9, 10, 12 whatever pages long and particularly for um, incorporated companies which are doing very well it's Mm. not uncommon to see accounts that are 30, 40, 50 pages long uh, published on an annual basis Mm. Okay. So is it fair to say that the LLP protects the partnership and the limited liability company protects the sole trader? Could you say that? Uh, say that again, please, Joanne. Okay. <laughs> it's like, no, Joanne. <laughs> I don't know. But in my mind, because people understand things in different ways. If you're right. going to a partnership, but you want yes. that legal protection, then you can yeah. use the LLP. Yes, yes, you can. If the limited liability right. partnership. Yes. Okay, yes. if you're a sole trader on your own, yes. but then yes. you realize, okay, I need more protection, I want to scale, then you become a yeah. limited liability company. Yeah, precisely. Then you can incorporate as a company. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I was just trying to show that there's sort of like a level where you can start here or you can progress uh, depending on how much, how much it's really about how much protection you think you need, how you want to be and what kind of partnership agreement you're going to have, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yes, no, absolutely. So if you run a business as a sole tradership, there's nothing preventing you whatsoever down the line incorporating that as a limited company. There's nothing whatsoever. And vice versa. If you run a lim limited company for a couple of years and you think, you know what, actually on second thoughts, this isn't really for me. It'd be just simpler if I was a sole tradership or a partnership or whatever. You can always dissolve um, the limited company and just go ahead as a, as a sole trader. That, that, that's fine. There's, there'd be nothing stopping you from doing that. So that kind of flexibility, yeah, you're absolutely right, Joanna. It'd be good for your listeners to know about. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so those are the business structures. Yes. So that's it? Yes. Podcast over? Well, yeah, no, they're the main business structures right. um, that will be relevant to uh, people at the start or, or at the beginning of mm. the entre entrepreneurship uh, journeys. Other types um the most the first one that comes to mind is a, a public company mm. um and that would be the likes of apple or shell oil and they're the, basically the big companies that are listed on a stock exchange mm -hmm. and they're called public companies because anybody out there can go and buy shares in that company so if i wanted to buy shares in microsoft all i have to do is just um go to london stock exchange not physically but you know speak to a bank manager or a stockbroker or whatever and say i want to buy shares in microsoft to say okay there you go how many do you want blah 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 okay the 15 pence a share give me this and i'll give you the shares um so that's why they're called public companies anybody can buy shares in them um yeah. the, the those plcs uh, public companies they also uh, have uh, limited liability in the sense that the shareholder is not personally responsible for the debts of the company. Um, so it's really, you can think of it as another breed of um, limited company. Um, uh, yes, um, I would just something came to my head. I can't exactly... Um, do you know when, when something comes into your head and you just can't remember what it was? All the time, um, Bruno. Oh. All the time. Good. It's not just me. It's and not now just that me. I'm getting older, it's like these little <laughs> pop into my brain and then they pop and then, whoa, that's it. It's gone. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm being but we're still bad. young, Joanne. We're still young. We're still young. <laughs> oh, God, please. I'm so over youth. I'm so over it. I'm so over it. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> Bruno, stop laughing. Stop laughing. Okay, so listen now. What yes. about, um, okay, so you're starting out in business and you need to select a structure. I'm very mm -hmm, big mm -hmm. on asking questions. I feel like asking yes. questions is what helps you to arrive at the solution that's best for you. So what yes. kind of questions should startups or individuals in these startups be asking themselves in order mm -hmm. to decide what is the right business structure for them? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, very good point. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, I would ask how much time are you gonna devote to this business? Ooh. So is it going to be now your full-time preoccupation Mm. Or is it a part-time preoccupation? Mm. Okay. Mm. I will also ask myself, do I have any money set aside to do this business, to mm. run this business? Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so if, for example, you are investing your own money into the business, say, for example, you're one of those lucky people that has savings and going to be using your savings in your business, mm. it would probably actually be a good idea to run it as a limited company. Um, 
because then that way, um, because you're making the own, your own personal investment in, in, into the company, then, you know, at least with a limited company, then you have your protection, don't you? Mm. Um, so maybe that will just give you that little bit extra peace of mind and mm. make you comfortable so you can move ahead. Um, another key question is, am I doing this on my own or will I be going on this journey with other people? Mm. Um, if you're going on a journey with other people, then their consideration, their ideas on how the business should be organized and run, um, is going to be a key consideration in, uh, what sort of business structure, uh, mm. you use. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, and, and obviously if all of you agree in what sort of business structures you use, then you're in a very good place and, and that'd be, that'd be great. Um, another also key consideration is what type of industry are you actually in? Um, Mm. so if you're, for example, in a risky industry, Mm. um, say for example, if you're in technology, Mm. um, or if you're in the restaurant food business, Mm. uh, where you tend to see a lot of, um, startups open and close within the first couple of years, Mm. Uh, then it's probably a good idea for you to incorporate as a limited company um, simply because statistically a lot of tech and a lot of food companies will unfortunately not necessarily make it. So right. at least if you're a limited company and you have to close, then you just close and you personally um, are not responsible and you can just, you know, move on to the next project or move on to the next business or, or move on to the next, uh, major idea in your life. Um, another consideration would be tax mm. and tax rates. They vary from country to country. Mm. I actually only really know the tax rates in the UK. Mm. So in the UK, a limited company is taxed with corporation tax right. and corporation tax is currently 18, 18% of the company's annual profits. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now a sole trader is taxed at the income tax rates for the UK and the UK income tax rates are, well, the general rate is 20% of your annual income. Um, unless you earn more than 36,000 a year is I think the current threshold for the 40% to kick in. Um, but also you have the, uh, tax free allowance, which is 11,000, I think. So for the basic rate, anything between 11,000 and one pound and 36,000 is taxed at 20%. Anything before 11,000 is zero and mm-hmm. anything above 36,000 is 40%. Um, so generally just from giving you that in comparison to corporation tax which is 18 percent of annual profits you kind of generally get the gist um that uh limited companies may be more tax efficient Mm. uh than having a sole tradership and for partnership it would be the same so if you're in a partnership uh, you're taxed at the individual income tax levels in relation to the money you personally received from that partnership in the given tax year. Mm. Um, so tax is another key thing. Um, what I would also say is, yes, definitely consider tax, think about it and go through the implications and permutations. Mm. Um, but when you're a starter, um, don't get too bogged down with the tax issues as well. 
Um, you can worry about that when you're successful. And mm. when you're a successful business, um, you know, <laughs> pretty much half the business decisions that are taken are in the context of what is more tax efficient. So oh, you'll yeah. have that joy to look forward to when you're successful. When you're starting up, yes, absolutely, it's a consideration, but don't let it be the primary consideration because not least you haven't even started making money yet. So right. when you're a startup, you know, maybe the other considerations, you, you, you balance that out against the tax implications question. When you've got money in the bank, then obviously, you know, tax perhaps becomes a more pressing consideration. Um, so, yeah, so I guess another key question um, I would ask myself is, is this a long-term thing or is it a medium-term thing? Is it a short-term thing? Mm. You know, if you're looking at the long-term picture, say mm -hmm. 10 years down the line, something like that, then probably an incorporated business would be, you know, a more sensible thing to do because you are in it for the long run. If it's, and it goes back to the first question I posed, is it a, a full-time preoccupation or part-time preoccupation? If it's just something you envisage doing for a couple of years and then your life will take you to different directions, or if it's something that's just going to be a part-time thing, um, then, you know, sole traitorship may be the more attractive option um, mm. because you won't be bogged down in all the extra admin, form filling, um, yeah. filing, getting things posted out or done online to make sure that you comply with all the company's house rules, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yes, I'm just trying to think, would there be any other key considerations? Um, uh, a final key consideration that I would raise is what I said before, what type of industry are, are you in in relation to risk? But it's mm -hmm. also critical as well in relation to um, will a business be owning any assets? Mm -hmm. Will the business have any premises? Mm -hmm. Will the business have any equipment, computers, cars? Intellectual property, of course, if you're plant coming up with a brand new idea. Like the accountants say, plant, plant and machinery, precisely. Exactly, Long Joanne. Long-term assets. Long-term assets, exactly. You know the accounting terms. I took precisely. accounting. I went to business you took school. Accounting. Very yeah, good. I know very the good. stuff. I know the stuff. <laughs> very good. Very good. Yes, very yes. good. So hey. how does that then affect you if you will have you know, sure? I mean, assets. yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, if if for example you do have assets like a premises or valuable uh, intellectual property, then it would probably be a better idea to have an incorporated company. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, mm. and then to kind of either transfer or license or lease that property that's individually yours to the limited company. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's if you get a bit of debt, your creditors, um, can't come after your personal assets, okay? Because right. they're distributed either amongst you and the company or solely to the company. Um, but then again, that's also on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, and, you know, if, if you do have assets and you do want to use them for the company, um, perhaps speak to somebody or contact me. I'll give you my, my contact details at the end of this uh, podcast as well, yes, uh, because that will, it won't necessarily be the case in every single instance. 
uh, that if you have assets that you'd want to incorporate as well. It could be you know situations where you might not want to do that. Um, but it's definitely a consideration that you should think about. I mean, whether your business will have assets or will have money or will have intellectual property and what sort of business structure that you'll use to, to take your thing forward. Okay. You know, I want to, to just um, discuss this for a little bit because you mentioned it twice and I do think it, it's important. Uh, you said, depending on what kind of business you're in, what kind of yeah. industry you're in, why is that yeah. important? For example, if you are in artificial intelligence or food yeah. or, yeah. Um, I don't know, graphic design or what have you, yeah. how are yeah. all of those different and how does that um, have some bearing on what type of business structure that you choose? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, primarily, I'd say it's a risk assessment mm. factor. So if you're in an industry that has a high turnover of mm -hmm. new businesses or there is a lot of competition or there's an oversupply of businesses offering your services, um, it's inherently going to be a bit risky you going out to the marketplace and trying to establish yourself. Um, right. And if it's risky, that means statistically there's more chance that you're not going to succeed and in that context it's, it might be a sensible thing to incorporate as a limited company um, simply uh, because if it doesn't succeed then at least you have the protection and you've not risked your personal money um, so and also as well it's it's a, it's a question of what the market expects mm. so say for example if i if i was a plumber or right. if i was a carpenter mm. or any sort of trade like that um my suppliers and my creditors right uh, would not necessarily expect that i would be a limited company uh, because it's just the culture uh, for tradespeople um, to be sole traders or to be partnerships. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, in relation to artificial intelligence, um, if you're trying to find investment so for you to take your artificial intelligence company forward, um, same with any type of technology company, technology startup, it's all about whether you can find investment in the first two, three years. Yeah. Um, you sincerely are going to struggle to find an investor who will want to invest in a sole tradership or in a partnership. Because right. if you're an investor and you want to invest your own personal money, you are going to want to invest that in a, in a limited company because then at least there's some sort of protection there for you. Mm. Um, and also, if, you, if you're a tech company and you're dealing with suppliers, or you're dealing with employees, or you're dealing with whatever have you, um, people are just going to kind of have the expectation that you're going to be a limited company. Um, so um, that expectation, that market expectation is also a consideration in relation to what sector you're in, what field you're in and, and how you're going to set up and run your business. Right. Okay. Interesting. Awesome. Brilliant. Brilliant. So what are some of the common mistakes that you see startups making? I mean, based on your experience of working with, various types of startups so what are some of the common mistakes that they that uh they make in 
General, um, yes. just to move slightly off topic, though I'll tie it back in with a question sure. of business structures. Sure. But in general, I would say paying very little attention to legal points. I mean, specifically oh. contracts as well. Oh. So as a business, you are only as good as your contractual relationships. Mm. So... Um, this is a problem I see a lot of startups do. They download template contracts off the internet, um, amend them here and there, and go out and uh, basically trade with those contracts. Mm. Uh, that's, that's, that's obviously, it has the benefit of being nice and simple, and you don't have to get yourself bogged down with lawyers, and you know it's quick. Um, yeah. But it can really bite you down the line, um, yeah. because if you don't have a good contract and you're doing business off that, of that poor contract if there's a problem down the line then you know you you you, you will suffer for it you really will suffer for it mm. um so I'll, I'll use the example of online terms and conditions contracts so if you are selling online um you know invariably you will have online terms and conditions contract and you will ask your purchaser your customer to at some point check a box or some other form of consent uh, confirming that they agree to your terms and conditions. So basically the point is you're going to need terms and conditions. So if you download any standard terms and conditions and just change your company name and just change, you know, things here or there, um, it almost certainly won't be good enough because those terms and conditions were not specific to the goods you were selling. They're not specific to the countries you were selling to. They're not specific to what you want to achieve um, so, you know, you could be getting yourself into all sorts of legal nightmares in terms of compensation, in terms of damages, payments, in terms of mm. liability for your products. Um, so what if somebody buys a product and it harms them or it injures them? If you don't have a limitation of liability clause in your online terms and conditions, then, you know, you're going to be far more open, susceptible to uh, court action than if you hadn't had... Uh, those sorts of uh, clever clauses in your contract. So uh, that this, 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 and I completely get why a lot of startups don't pay much attention to the legalities because you're excited, you just want to get on with it. You're probably running your business on a shoestring, so you don't really want to be spending uh, money to get these things sorted out. But you know, it, it's often a false economy because in the long run, it can come back and bite you. Yeah, I, I think I can't stress enough the importance of having, you need two very important people when you're building a business or startup, whatever, an accountant mm -hmm. and a solicitor. Mm -hmm. And don't yes, sidestep it, don't sidetrack it. Yeah. You must have them. And if you don't have them or you can't afford them, honestly, I mean, this may sound conservative, but you shouldn't be going into business, period. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because absolutely. you're going to pay the price in the long run for not having someone legal a legal person yeah. that you that can really advise you like you said the biggest mistake is is not understanding the little legal things because you're not we're not trained in that kind of stuff and obviously sure, absolutely. and obviously having an accountant yeah absolutely and, and to be honest with you neither is it fun i mean it's fun for me because i'm a boring lawyer <laughs> you're not a boring and i'm a bit lawyer. of a pedantic geeky lawyer so for me it's no. fun but for you creative types out there that yes. just want to sell your wonderful product and 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 you know make the world a better place you know <laughs> 
sub-clause B of 0.2.1 of your online terms and conditions, that, that's not going to excite you. Of course it's not going to excite you, neither should it, should it excite you. Your talents are elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but but, but you, you do need to have a, a, a consideration. You do need to have a thought for these issues right at the beginning. Yes. Um, because just like you wouldn't take a shoddy product to market, um, neither should you take a shoddy contract to market as well, because, you know, the implications can be just as grave as a shoddy product. Yes. And it's important to have a very good relationship to you with your solicitor. So when, when, when you, you've got to start thinking, I think when you get into business or if you're accustomed to business, whatever the situation is, there's a point mm. where your mind starts thinking legal to legal and money. You're always asking yourself, uh huh, how much is this going to cost? How much, how is this going to affect my budget? Is there legal, are there legal ramifications for this? Like after a while, it's just in your mm. mind. And then you realize, okay, I've got to call, my specialist, who is my solicitor, who can help me with this. I think you just have to start getting that in your mind from the outset and practice that from day one. Absolutely, 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 absolutely. And this can't be overemphasized enough. Yeah. And sorry if that sounds a little bit scary or whatever have you. <laughs> um, but true, but as, as, Yeah, but, but as, as I would say, if you're serious about your business and you want it to succeed, um, it's just one of those things that you really do have to get in, get in order, basically. And it's not, I, I mean, it's not that expensive to, to sure. get like yes, a, a startup uh, solicitor to just advise absolutely. you when you're structuring your business. I mean, a couple grand here and there, but everything's yep. set up nicely. Everything's fine. Yep. Usually startup solicitors know accountants so they can refer you to one. Yes, yes, and, yes, you yes. know, you don't want to mess with HMRC or whoever the tax the tax uh, dog is in your country. You always want to pay your taxes. You always want to pay your taxes. You never yeah, not want to absolutely. play and, and tax man. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And there are a lot of law firms out there that do a lot of work for startups. And they obviously, they have different sort of charges, different sort of packages, different sort of rates for startups, simply because you know, a lot of the law firms recognize this. You know, yes. that, that if you're a startup, you're, you're in a different... Uh, space financially yes um so yeah so is that so that is the biggest mistake that that, uh, that is the biggest general mistake yes not not paying enough attention to legalities at the beginning not paying enough attention to the contracts at the beginning in relation to the business structures mm. um it's really just just basically not even thinking about it, to be honest with you. I mean, I've spoken to so many entrepreneurs that have been doing it now for six months, nine months, even 12 months, whatever have you, and then you know, ask them a question about uh, another potential uh, business model. And sometimes I get the response, oh, I didn't, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know there was such a thing. Um, so that, that does happen. So, so it's, it's really just kind of... Um, Educating yourself, educating yourself from before day one um, of what the business structures are and really thinking about what is more suitable to you and what is more suitable to you will change from person to person, from business to business, from country to country, from business, yeah. from industry to industry. Uh, but basically the questions I would ask myself are the questions that uh, we went through today. Um, is it, is it a full-time thing? Is it a part-time thing? Is it a long-term thing? Is it a short-term thing? Mm. Um, am I just doing it? Are there other people involved? Mm. Um, what industries am I in? What businesses, are, what, what fields am I in? Um, what are the tax rates for each business model in my particular country? Um, 
So yeah, so those are the questions you should be asking yourself at the beginning. Inform yourself. Um, no matter what country you're in, your government will have a web page yes. where it'll have uh, sub pages uh, explaining these business structures in an accessible way for the general public. So it won't just be full of legalese that you won't get. You know, um, it, it will be written in a way that uh, non-lawyers will understand. Mm. Um, and obviously, aside from contacting your government directly or using their, their web page facilities, speak to professionals, lawyers, accountants, uh, tax advisors, mm. uh, business consultants, business, business advisors. And business strategists. They know a lot about Business them. strategists, precisely, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. exactly. My, uh, my web mm. designer has been a great... Yeah source of like just bouncing ideas because web designers you don't realize it but web designers and graphic designers work for so many different types of businesses that after mm. a while mm. they've seen so much and they can tell mm. they, they tend to know well you know when i did this website for so and so because they're involved mm. a lot of the times in the process from the beginning right through to the end your web designer right and they can sometimes yeah. they say to you oh well i had a client that did this and that i remember so so and so and you don't realize wait a minute my web designer is quite resourceful because they're a web mm. designer and web designers tend to know a lot about the businesses that they're creating websites for so absolutely, not, absolutely yeah they may not necessarily be someone that you go to with a legal question but because they're so exposed to different types of businesses they've got a lot of information in their heads and they can they tend to be able to point you in in the right direction for sure, for sure. And it's always good to talk, isn't it? Always yeah. good to talk. So, so talk to people who have been on this journey before, who have done this before. Uh, and, and yeah, they'll have pearls of wisdom for you, no doubt. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so what are your closing words for our listeners? Oh, that's a very good question. My closing words for anybody at the beginning of their startup journey or the business journey, or, you know, even if you're into it now for a couple of years, is just believe in what you're doing and just believe in yourself and mm -hmm. remember why you decided to do this. There are very good reasons why you decided to do this. And um, basically keep, keep your optimism up, keep your energy levels up, keep your mm -hmm. belief that it can work up. Um, because when, when you, when you start, your business when you take it to market when you start trading um you know you are going to have setbacks that's just the way the world is set up mm. um but if anything you can view it in the positive like that setbacks are there to make you stronger setbacks are there for you to learn from mm -hmm. and um every single business has gone through that journey where they have setbacks and they have quote unquote failures and there's no such thing as a failure. There's just lessons learned. Yes. Um, so, so this is actually the biggest thing for entrepreneurs and people who have, are starting out. Um, don't lose faith. Don't yeah. lose your motivation and okay. just keep plugging away. Keep having the same work ethic mm. and uh, you know, in, in the end you will get there. And in relation to the legal stuff, the legalities, um, don't have it as an afterthought. Don't have it as a secondary consideration or a third consideration or as a fourth consideration. Um, keep at the forefront of your mind mm. because you, you, you don't want to go through all that hard work and self-sacrifice 
and actually have something that's workable and viable and and being success only then to be held back or to be bitten uh because of some legality that you overlooked which could have been easily uh ironed out uh at the beginning so really the legal stuff is not really an afterthought it's not something that you 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 know you consider for five minutes at the end of the day it should really be at the forefront of your thinking of your planning of your organization of of of, of your strategy yeah i love what you said about believing in yourself because i think a lot of times you know most startups do fail and that's fine you fail you know they mm-hmm. start a next one blah 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 and whatever no big mm-hmm. deal are these people who are used to that kind of thing but i think a lot mm-hmm. of people they have ideas and then they start and as soon as they experience some hardship they just stop and like a year or two after they've started you hear them say oh i'm going back to get a full-time job or oh yes. i've decided yes. to do something else but i always say it takes years successful i mean we see facebook and we see google and we see all these big companies but it took them years yes absolutely before they got to where they were so can you speak to that please can you let people know that it does actually take like you've got anything in life i believe if you're if you want to be successful at it you've got to be in it for the long term oh absolutely absolutely there's a wonderful diagram that that just speaks to this perfectly um that i'm sure many of your listeners have seen in internet memes or or whatever have you and it's uh, a diagram of two uh miners they're mining for diamonds Mm -hmm. uh they've got a pickaxe over their shoulder and the picture is split into two two halves so at the half top you've got a guy with a pickaxe just you know hacking away at at the earth um and he's just a couple of millimeters away from uh, finding a, mm-hmm. a huge cave with with a bunch of diamonds in yeah. um so he's hacked his way almost to the end end of the picture with his little pickaxe which undoubtedly took a lot of work but just at the final bits he thinks oh my gosh this is never going to happen turns around and walks away gives up and then the second half the bottom half of the diagram uh, it has a person hacking away, and he manages to get to the uh, to, to to the um, you know big bunch of diamonds. So I mean that's a wonderful picture, and it just kind of like sets it out perfectly. You, you you never know what's around the corner. You never yeah. know what what's around the corner. And if you if you give up too early, um, the 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 you know who's to say that you're not just around the corner from something special who's to say that you're not just one month away from turning it around um so patience 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 is a massive virtue and that mm. that's, that's, that's actually one of the main things you're actually learning on your entrepreneur game that nothing comes to you easy that you have mm. to be prepared to work hard and sacrifice and just just stick around literally just stick yeah. around and it's what all the successful entrepreneurs say um, you know, I love listening to successful entrepreneurs. So Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, uh, mm. Richard Branson, whatever, whatever. I always have them on the background on YouTube, whatever have you. And this is one of the key things that they always say is just, just be patient. Literally just be patient. If it hasn't happened within two, three years yet, that's fine. That, that, that you're in the situation most entrepreneurs are in. Don't worry mm. about it. Just, just keep on having faith and keep on working hard. Yeah. I like to use five years as a marker. Like, Yes, five, five years. years. Is yeah, like the five first years five years. Market. Okay, where are you now? And it's like yes. you've got to assess now. Is it after the fifth year? Is it time to pivot? Is it time to move on? Is it time to give up? Because I think five years is enough for you to, after that point, to decide: Are you going to keep moving forward with this? Do you need to shift? Yeah. 
Do you need to do yeah. something else? Because there is a point where you have to ask yourself, okay, do I need to stop doing this? Especially if your heart isn't in it. But I think you've got to put in that five initial five years first. I like to do everything in five year increments. I, I don't know. That's just me. I think five is a good number. No, no. I'm not, five years is perfect. Five, five years is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful yardstick. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure maybe you have a couple of listeners who are just starting out and they, you know, have visions and in six months, nine months, whatever, they'll be <laughs> on the beach in the Bahamas drinking oh, peanut and yard of cocktails. <laughs> Um, and probably we're bursting a, quite a few bubbles out there saying, no, it's more like five years and six months. No, um, no way. Yeah. Pina yeah. coladas after six months. When does that happen? <laughs> when does that happen? I think that only happens with like these sort of, um, I was going to say people in the music industry, but even then yeah. when you talk to them, they'll tell you, oh, I've yeah. been putting songs out for years and years and, Yes. All this other stuff. I don't think that happens to anyone. Okay, maybe like an athlete that signs a big contract, but even an athlete would have been training yeah. for years before. Oh he yeah, yeah, contract. yeah. So there's Since they were four, think, five, six years old. Yeah, yeah, overnight success is a myth. There's no such yeah. thing, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why I started this entire platform and community because I think that in the early stages of business, you never, you, firstly, you never hear about this part of business. This is the part that's completely ignored. And I think this is the most crucial part, but also you only hear about people after they're successful. You never hear about the first 10, 15 years where they actually had to put in the work to, you know, get that success. And I think it's, it's really important to, to hear the stories of people who are just starting out and who are building something from scratch because that's where the life is. You know, after you've, I feel like after you've done it for 10, 15 years, you're like, yeah, I'm in it. I get this thing. Ah. It's really about just keeping it fresh and reinventing and getting into new business areas and all of that stuff. But those first five years, those are the hardest because you're trying to figure it all out. Absolutely. But they're also conversely and perversely, maybe even the most fun. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the most true. fun, the most challenging. True, you know? definitely um, true. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of enjoyment to be had to from trying to build something that uh, nobody else has done and trying to build it up from scratch. And scary, and, uh, and it's scary. and scary and, and scary, but vulnerable. I'm, I'm mm. Vulnerable, but I would say that that is where the living is. That's where the life is. Mm-hmm. Um, that that that's where the joy of it uh, really is. It's in, it's in there. Um, the fear and the vulnerability that you find yourself in, if you can learn to enjoy that, if you can learn to see it for what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not knowing what you're doing and sometimes not even knowing why you're doing it. It just feels good and it just feels right. And everybody thinks you're crazy, but you're just doing what you're doing. (laughs) You just, you know, that there's just, there's such a rush in this whole thing. That's kind of crazy, but unless you're in it, I guess you just, you can't understand. You just, it's just a risk. It's all a risk. It's all a risk. It's all a risk. But everything in life is a risk also. If you, but a lot of people are risk averse. That's why not everyone's mm, entrepreneurial. Mm, because quite a few mm, people, you know, a lot of people are risk averse. They don't, they don't want mm, to be in situations where things could go mm, wrong. It's like, mm, let's just take the tried and tested route. And that's fine mm, too. That's great. Mm-hmm, but that's mm-hmm, not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Absolutely. And neither is it for me. And I'm guessing neither for your listeners too. No, I remember the first time I met Bruno, I was like, you know, Bruno, you could go work in some big city law for me. Like, yes. no way. No. I, mean, I, <laughs> I was like, okay. 
<laughs> no, because I mean, even as a solicitor building, a, you and your partner building it together from yeah. scratch, that's yeah. difficult as well. I mean, you've done your own pivot yeah. and, and you've had to learn a lot of things the hard way, but you know, you're there now, you've come a long way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been enjoyable. I mean, that's actually what I, what I would say uh, is the biggest thing about it. I've, I've actually enjoyed it. I've actually yeah. enjoyed it, including yeah. all the hard periods, including the hard uh, and the moments. Late nights. And the late And the late nights, And exactly. doing like 100 presentations a week. Oh, God. Yes, 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 yes. And those moments where, you know, you just can't struggle to find a client no matter how hard you try. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even those moments are good, you know, because uh, they make you feel alive. They make yeah. you feel alive. Definitely, yeah. definitely. But those were great closing words. Okay, so Bruno, tell us about yeah. Cassidy's. Where can great. we find you? All of your social media, Perfect. all that good stuff. Absolutely. So our webpage is cassidy's.co.uk. Mm-hmm. So that's C A S A D Y S co.uk so on our webpage you'll find out a lot of information about who we are areas of law that we do how you can contact us we have a contact us form that uh, you guys are more than welcome to fill out i'll also give you my email address Mm -hmm. and i'll say that slowly so uh, people can take a note of it it is bruno b r u n o at Cassidy's, so C A double S, S for sugar, A D Y S dot co dot UK. And you are more than welcome to email me anything that you have. Uh, please do. I'm not just saying this, just say you listen to Joanne's podcast and you'd mm. like to ask me a question. He really does. He really does answer. <laughs> no, because you've done it with in the past. Like you've said, yes. yeah, 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 I can talk to this person. And I'm like, okay, but he really does actually, you know, respond and, and talk to people. Bruno is a lovely guy. Bruno is a Oh, good, thank you, Joanne. Thank you. Nice, thank you. Just a nice person, a good human being. You're good people, Bruno. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you. Thank you. And so, don't, yeah, you're don't more than be welcome turned to off. I was going to say, don't be turned off, but if his emails are very sh- to the point, <laughs> that's just what lawyers do, you know? But I, you know, I, I've, I mean, you and I have had emails where I think there's like, it's like 110 threads because I'm like asking every question and yeah. you're like, yes, yeah. no good well you may want to consider okay speak soon speak soon, speak soon. Speak soon. Yeah, you're, good. you're good you're good with emails so do you know it's good for me to hear this because i i've, I've never actually i don't think i've ever had a conversation where somebody tells me what it's like to be on the other end of an email conversation with yeah me. yeah your emails your emails are very they're you're very to the point like yeah. you're you just you it's almost like your brain scans you just look yeah. at the questions and then you respond to the questions with the answer and that's it. But I think that's how it's supposed to be. No, it's good. And then I yeah. think your favorite thing at the end is speak soon. Okay. Speak soon. Yeah, speak soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. No, I say that because I try not to be overly formal like like most lawyers would be. So, you know, maybe an old school lawyer would say yours sincerely or yours faithfully. And that's not necessarily the vibe <laughs> with I want to embody. So, with regards exactly you know when exactly. i had a corporate career i was like that with regards yes Since yes, yes, early yes. i was very like corporate very posh very yes, yes. very very yes. dry but i think <laughs> but 
I think you, you, you get trained to be that way. You know, you, you kind of have to kill your creative self when you're in that corporate environment. No one respects that self. And that's why you're doing what you're doing now, Joanne. Exactly. I had to set myself free, mate. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so this is where yes. you can find Bruno. And yes. lastly, um, Bruno, I just want to thank you for coming on. Oh, thank podcast. you. Thank you. I thank you. Thank you for all the wonderful work you do for the startup. I mean, in London, I, I mean, I don't know, but you, I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know when you sleep, but the amount <laughs> of years that I have known you, you have been so involved with startups, like all over the city and just all over London. And I, and you know, thank you for that. That's just remarkable. Like you dedicate a oh, lot. Obviously it's your work, it's your business, you're developing your business, your job, all of that stuff. But that requires a lot of energy. Oh, thank you. And listen, Joanne, it's very good to know that you're enjoying life where you are now and that uh, mm-hmm. Rare Birds is taking off. I remember um, <laughs> writing an article. I remember writing an article for Secret Birds, as it was, yes? Yes, yes. yes Still, it's technically, birds. It, Rare Birds is, is the real deal now. Secret Birds yes. is, like, it's transitioning. So officially next year, yes. it'll be all Rare Birds and everything will be transformed. But yeah, I remember you wrote an article. You did quite a few things. Yeah, you've been around. Yes. You've been around since day one, which is, <laughs> which is nice. So you'll see, you've seen the whole transformation of this crazy idea that I had. Splendid. But no, and it's good to see a new webpage and how it's come along, how it's changed a lot since the early days and uh, with your podcast as well. 99 podcasts, that's good. 99. Soon to raise your magic hundreds, soon to I raise know. a century podcast. <laughs> I know. You are my 99th podcast. So yeah, it's, it's incredibly good. exciting. And I hope those listening to us, you know, our, our banter, I hope those yes. listening realize that it's, it's real. You know, you can actually, I actually started this, this was literally an idea in my head. Mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. took it and I everybody thought I was crazy they probably still think I'm crazy but that's cool and I just mm-hmm. worked through my idea and finally it's it's making sense now and and that happens and that is possible and it's only been three years and goodness knows what's gonna happen down the line but you just have to take the biggest risk is the one you take on yourself absolutely and, and don't hold back just enjoy it enjoy it it's here to be enjoyed Absolutely. So that is it for now, Rare Ones. And until next time, bye for now. And goodbye. And I'd just like to wish all the listeners good luck in whatever they do. And 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 I'm sure you guys will have a lot of success. Just keep at it. I'm sure as well. And that is it for podcast episode number 99 with Bruno Rodriguez in London. Okay, Bruno. Bye. Lovely. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.